Before we begin today's show, I want to acknowledge a slight technical difficulty with today's broadcast. You'll notice about halfway through the show a clicking sound, which is due to some sort of electrical interference in the recording equipment. Rest assured, before the next IFR Flight Radio show, I'll have the problem resolved. Okay, on with the show. Senior Farley Mecco, turn right at 120, vector to the it's IFR Flight Radio. If you have questions about how to talk to air traffic control while flying IFR, we have the answers. Here's your host, Jeff Canarish. Get a load of this. Right now, as I'm recording this, here's the weather at the Teterboro Airport in New Jersey. Indefinite ceiling, one eighth mile in heavy snow and freezing fog. The runway 6 visual range is variable from 1,600 feet to 1,800 feet. The surface wind is 030 at 18, gust 22. Jeez. Right now, the mid-Atlantic states and portions of the Northeast are getting hammered by a wintered storm. Most airlines have canceled their entire daytime flight schedule into the New York area. So I was thinking about this. Now seems like an excellent time to talk about visual approaches. Cessna 30 Delta traffic you're following is a beach 1900, 2 o'clock and 4 miles, same altitude. Report that traffic or the airport in sight. Cessna 30 Delta traffic in sight. Cessna 30 Delta, follow the traffic to the airport. You're cleared the visual approach, runway 6. Cessna 30 Delta will follow the traffic cleared for the visual approach, runway 6. Right up until this exchange on the radio, the approach controller had been providing a minimum of three miles radar separation between you and the Beach 1900 ahead. As soon as you accept responsibility for following the beach, the air traffic controller's radar separation minimum no longer applies. You become entirely responsible for maintaining a safe distance from the aircraft you're following. Hang on to that. We're going to come back to it in a few minutes. Right now, let's look at the specific criteria that must be met before a controller can authorize you to fly a visual approach. Weather must be a minimum of at least 1,000 foot ceiling and 3 miles visibility. And the cloud ceiling must be at least 500 feet above the published minimum vectoring altitude for the airport where the approach is being flown. However, if there's no published NVA for the airport, then as long as the weather is at least 1,003, visual approaches may be conducted. You must report the airport or the preceding aircraft in sight. Realize you do not have to see the landing runway. All you need to report is the landing airport in sight. ATC assumes that if you see the airport, you'll be able to navigate on your own to the runway and land. If you report the airport in sight but not the preceding aircraft, ATC will still clear you for the visual approach you're expected to navigate to the runway on your own, but ATC will per- continue to provide radar separation from the preceding aircraft. The minimum radar separation between aircraft on final approach is usually three miles between radar targets, and this minimum may vary depending on the airspace, the type of radar equipment in use, the type of approach being flown, and your distance from the runway. Once you read back, Cessna 30 Delta has the traffic in sight cleared for the visual approach runway 6. You assume responsibility for staying safely separated from the aircraft in front of you. Now, if the distance between you and the preceding aircraft reduces to less than three miles, as long as you keep that other aircraft in sight, you can get as close as you feel safe. 
This is one reason why air traffic controllers love issuing clearances for the visual approach. It not only takes responsibility for safe separation off their shoulders and puts it squarely on yours, it also allows them to compress the spacing between landing aircraft. At a very busy airport, compressed spacing means ATC can accommodate more landing aircraft per hour, which reduces the need for delaying tactics such as holding patterns, off-course vectoring for spacing, or even delaying your takeoff. All that said, here's the big takeaway for you. Before reporting the preceding aircraft in sight, knowing that it will likely result in a clearance for a visual approach, make sure weather conditions will permit you to keep that aircraft in sight all the way to the landing. Let's look at an example of how this arrangement can bite you in the rear end. Let's say the weather at your landing airport is 2,000 scattered, 5 miles visibility. You're currently being radar vectored to an ILS approach, and you're on a 10-mile base leg at 4,000 feet. ATC says, Cessna 30 Delta airports at your 2 o'clock and 1 zero miles. Additionally, traffic at your 1 o'clock and 4 miles of Beach 1900, descending through 3,500. Report the airport or the traffic in sight. You see the Beach 1900, but you're still too far away from the airport to see it through the haze. You answer... Cessna 30 Delta has the traffic in sight. Cessna 30 Delta, follow the Beach 1900. You're cleared for the visual approach runway 6. Cessna 30 Delta will follow the Beach 1900, cleared for the visual approach runway 6. All is going well until you are 7 miles from the airport. At that point, the traffic ahead disappears into the cloud tops at 2,500 feet. What do you do now? Well, the Aeronautical Information Manual and hopefully Common Sense says you should report Cessna 30 Delta has lost sight of the traffic. In response, one of three things will happen. If the controller still coincidentally has the minimum necessary radar spacing behind the traffic ahead, he will ask you if you have the airport in sight. If you do, he will reaffirm you're still cleared for the visual approach and he may adjust your airspeed to maintain the minimum radar separation behind the unseen Beach 1900. If you still don't see the airport and minimum radar separation still exists, the controller may simply re-clear you to fly the ILS approach. If you don't see the airport and the controller does not have his minimum required spacing, he will break you off of the approach. Cessna 30 Delta, cancel your approach clearance. Continue runway heading, climb and maintain 4,000. Cessna 30 Delta, cancel approach clearance, runway heading, climb and maintain 4,000. Cessna 30 Delta, this will be radar vectors for another ILS approach runway 6. Cessna 30 Delta. To summarize, when cleared for a visual approach with the preceding aircraft in sight before reporting that traffic in sight, make sure you can maintain visual separation from your assigned traffic to follow all the way to the runway. If, despite your best judgment, weather conditions change and you lose sight of the preceding traffic after being cleared for the visual approach, Confess the problem to ATC immediately. The controller will then manage your flight based on current conditions to get you to the runway with safe radar separation. Finally, if you see the preceding traffic when it's first reported but know you will later lose sight of the traffic in a cloud layer below, say something similar to this. Cessna 30 Delta has the traffic in sight, but we will probably lose sight of it in the clouds below. ATC will acknowledge this and continue with radar vectors to an instrument approach rather than assign you for the visual.
If later on you happen to regain sight of the preceding traffic, once both of you are below the lowest cloud layer, you may still report that traffic in sight. Likely, ATC will clear you for the visual approach from that point. You aren't required to do this. If you say nothing, you can continue via the instrument approach and no one will be the wiser. It's a long, complicated subject. If you have any questions about it, you can always reach me at jeff at atccommunication.com. Just drop me a line anytime and we'll hash it out. If you've been listening to my podcast here or at atccommunication.com or read any of my books, you know I make a big deal out of using your call sign correctly. I've spent a lot of time talking about the minutia of how to say your call sign, when to abbreviate it, when not to, and so on. But in doing all that, I think I lost sight of the big picture, which is this. Use your call sign each and every time you talk to ATC. And I can go into a long explanation of why, but I've actually already done that, so I'm not going to repeat myself here. What I recommend you do is go over to atccommunication.com and listen to the Radar Contact show titled, We'd Be Thrilled If You Simply Used Your Call Sign. It's a 10-minute segment that I think is well worth your time, so if you have some time, head on over to atccommunication.com and listen to my spiel about why it's so important to use your call sign each and every time you talk to ATC. And now let's get to your question of the week. Last time I asked you this question. You are flying at your filed cruise altitude on Victor Airway 159 inbound to the Ocala Vortac in north central Florida. After crossing over the top of Ocala, your cleared route of flight has you making a 46 degree turn to the right to continue on Victor 441 to the Gainesville Vortac. With 30 miles still to go to Ocala, you decide you'd like to save time and fuel by making a request to proceed direct Gainesville. Checking your en route chart, you can see that given your present position, even if you cut the corner at Ocala and proceed direct right now, your new route of flight will keep you well clear of the Palatka Moas northeast of your position. You get on the radio and say to Jacksonville Center, Skyhawk 30 Delta requests direct Gainesville. The controller replies, Skyhawk 30 Delta, I have your request. Four minutes pass. The controller has said nothing further to you about your request to proceed direct Gainesville. Instead, he says, Skyhawk 30 Delta, contact Jacksonville Center on 127.8. Here's your questions. First, why do you think the controller never approved your request? Second, will you have to make the same request of your next controller, or will he already have your request in his to-do list when you check in? And here are the answers. There are several reasons why a controller might not approve your request for direct. As we discussed in our last show, a controller may need to keep you on your originally cleared routing to keep you separated from other traffic in the area. Or, it may be that he is restrained by something called a traffic management initiative. They call that a TMI, and it simply means that the Air Traffic Control Command and Control Center has said controllers in this area must keep aircraft on their route of flight. A controller may not also approve you direct because he simply has to keep you within his airspace. If you request direct, it may cause you to cut through the corner of some other controller's airspace. 
And it would mean he'd have to get on the landline and can coordinate for a permission to have you cut through that other controller's airspace. It may also be that he simply forgot your request. That happens from time to time. Controllers get busy and they lose track of requests and he just forgot about you. In the situation I presented in your question of the week, it simply was the case that you were approaching the boundary of your current controller's sector. It was simply more convenient for the controller to keep you on course until he handed you off to the controller working the sector you're about to enter. This avoids a lot of conversation on the landline between controllers because all he needs to do is hand you off to the next controller and let that controller work out the details of approving your request for direct. As far as the second question, do you need to repeat your request for direct to the next controller? Under most circumstances, you do not. When one controller hands you off to the next controller, he will usually include your request for direct during the handoff. Now, when that happens, most controllers will include a reassurance to you that the next controller has your request when giving you your frequency change. An example would sound like this. Skyhawk 30 Delta, the next controller has your request. Contact Jacksonville Center on 127.8. But in the example I presented in your question of the week, your controller did not add this commentary. And because he did not, when you get in contact with the next controller, if you still want direct, I would recommend repeating your request in your initial radio contact with the next controller. Here's a new question for you to think about. are on a long, wide base leg taking radar vectors to an ILS approach. The approach controller asks if you have the airport in sight. You do have the airport in sight, but due to hazy visibility, you do not see the landing runway. You know if you report the airport in sight, the controller is probably going to clear you for the visual approach. Due to your lack of orientation to the runway, you would prefer to continue with radar vectors to intercept the ILS approach. So, here are your questions. First, is this an option for you? That is, are you permitted to continue with radar vectors to the ILS even if you have the airport in sight? And secondly, if so, what would you say to the approach controller to continue with the ILS? I'll have answers to those questions along with a full explanation of how they were derived in your next edition of the IFR Flight Radio Show. Music for this show was provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com on a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you're flying this week, first of all, I hope you're able to avoid the severe winter storm in the Northeast And wherever you happen to fly, I hope you have high ceilings and a smooth ride. I'm Jeff Canarish for IFRFlightRadio.com saying, be well, keep in touch, and fly safe.